Hi, welcome to another episode of Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, your host, Megan Tripp. Uh, today with me is an internet acquaintance of mine, Mary Parker. Hey, Mary, how are you? Hello, how's it going? It's going pretty well. <laughs> how's it going on your end? It's gray and drizzly and I'm home and it's warm and I have cats, so it's perfect. Oh, yes, that is... That always makes a gray drizzly day better <laughs> being warm and surrounded by cats. How many Absolutely. cats do you have? We got two cats and two dogs. Oh, wow. And none of them are friends with each other. Oh, dear. What are you going to do? <laughs> <sighs> well, um, I put out a call to see if anyone was uh, available to record. And you said that you might be interested if one of two movies uh, came <laughs> up in rotation. So do you, would you say that you watched a lot of uh, made for TV movies? <laughs> like in my life? Um, yeah. No, not really. These are two that are just very near and dear to my heart. Um, I would say that they are probably on opposite ends of the TV movie spectrum. <laughs> not a lot of overlap between the two. Um but the first was Rasputin, which you did already, and it was great. I very much appreciated listening to that. <laughs> and the other one was this uh, gem starring the famous mother of acclaimed rapper Chet Hayes, Rita Wilson. <laughs> yes, I think that's mostly what she's known for. Giving oh, yeah, absolutely. To- yeah, giving yeah. birth to Chet Hayes, bringing that gloriousness into the world. Thank you for that, Rita. Um, <laughs> this movie is Invisible Child. Yeah. So Which, when did you first encounter Invisible Child? Oh, I honestly can't remember. I think it was someone was making fun of it on the internet somewhere. And I and I thought, hmm. And so I Googled it and it was free on YouTube. So thus the saga of my obsession with this movie began. <laughs> the glory of YouTube unearthing <laughs> television from oh my God. long ago. <laughs> so many wonderful free movies on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not a sponsor for YouTube. <laughs> yeah I I at first I wanted to go in cold mm-hmm. but because it was like so serious in the first few minutes <laughs> I was like I'm I'm really nervous about where this is going about this invisible child and so then I looked it up and that it was it told me the premise and I was like oh, okay no I'm good I'm back on <laughs> back on board yep uh just a warning if anyone goes out looking for this Google might um say do you mean invisible children um no they are very different films (laughs) please do not watch invisible children if you want to watch invisible child and vice versa um i think it's something about uh human trafficking or you know something terrible so it's like i mean that they have their place but there is not a crossover between invisible child and invisible children the documentary (laughs) so don't make that mistake um so this movie has a British woman who wants to see the world and not be stuck in her life of raising her siblings, I guess. I guess her, honestly, her motivation is very unclear. So we, we open with someone pinning a notice to a bulletin board. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. We open on a child's drawing and it's the typical like mom, dad, brother sister me but under me is it's blank and then the title comes up invisible child and you're like oh 
(laughs) (laughs) Cue many attempts with the camera panning to a blank space that where the invisible child is theoretically. Um, Spoiler alert. That's my favorite part of the movie. There's no invisible child. (laughs) Every time that the camera's like, let's go to Maggie. Yep. It's an empty chair. It's like Love I'm it. so thankful that you gave me a reaction shot of the invisible child. Yep, yep. Got to get those invisible children reaction shots. It's super, super crucial. In fact, if you want to make a drinking game out of every time the camera cuts to a blank space where the invisible child is, um, you won't die of alcohol poisoning or anything. It would actually be a, a relatively solid amount of right. shots, but still, still well worth it. So yeah, we're already we're already nose diving right into this premise here, where there is a child who is invisible. Um, and the mother whose fault this is, <laughs> she apparently wants a nanny because two visible and one invisible children is just too much for this stay at home mom to handle. So she advertises for a nanny and we get the lovely Jillian who has come to the U S from the UK for reasons. Um, she claims it's for the money and you know how there's those big nannying bucks in the United States. Not sure. Not uh, yeah. Really sure how that works. It it would have made sense if she was like, oh, I'm going to school to do whatever. And right. I want to yeah, live in no. California. Yeah. Uh, but no. She like just, many things in this yeah. movie, it could have used a little bit more explanation. <laughs> yeah. It's just <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm able to get a better wage in America in general than I am in the UK. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. which maybe, I don't maybe know. In the 90s, um, is that true? No. But it's also indicated that she has a she's yeah. living in her car. Yeah. Um, so I guess she flew to America and bought a car and a bunch of stuff before she got a job. I guess she literally flew with all her crap. <laughs> yeah, but unless she and took then a moved ferry into a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> How'd her car get there? It has to be an American oh, no, car. She definitely she uh, is renting a car or or purchased a yeah. car. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway. it's California. You really get, are going to need a car. So a running theme throughout this movie is what I feel like plots that start off as some sort of lifetime movie cliche mm-hmm. and then just kind of fizzle out and don't get to their denouement, so to speak. <laughs> so this nanny with nowhere to go, like she's far from her family. She's desperate. She meets this weird family. Oh, it seems like we're going somewhere. No, nothing happens. We do not know why she's in America. Everything works out <laughs> fine. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to other instances of this of this theme later. But there's definitely a lot of that where you think, if you have seen any Lifetime movie ever, you think you know where this plot is going. You don't, and it doesn't go anywhere. No, <laughs> in a movie about a woman who hallucinates a third child. This movie, nothing happens in this movie. (laughs) Really kind of impressive. Yeah, there is one conflict that happens pretty late in the movie. Mm -hmm. And then we have some scenes after to just like wrap things up. But like really the main conflict begins and ends solidly in the second act without really anything happening in the first or the third acts to kind of make it coherent at all yeah so maybe we should back up and go a little bit linear it's just hard to talk about this movie in linear terms because it's just so little (laughs) happens so i don't know do you usually do the summaries or would you like to like to leave that to me (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can uh take take the lead if you want to 
All right. So basically we've got this family. So the nanny comes to meet this family. She doesn't know yet that there's an invisible child and the father, (laughs) of course. Yeah. It's not the first thing you'd expect. (laughs) And the father does not know that his crazy wife has hired, has asked for a nanny. So this woman shows up to their house, totally unannounced. Hey, can I have an interview to be your new nanny? And him and the the 10 year old daughter, whose name is Rebecca, but her nickname is Doc. And it's like, nope, that's not a shortened version of Rebecca, but okay, we'll just skim past that <laughs> well, for now. Well, it's funny because like <laughs> she could say like, oh, my nickname's Doc or I go by Doc, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She says, um, I, I'm i Doc. It's short for Rebecca. And it's it like, is not. is it though? It is not. <laughs> I don't think so. Unless your name <laughs> Never is heard Rebecca that. Doc. Rebecca then, Doc. <laughs> Doc Becca. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say her name's Doc Becca. Um, <laughs> so she's 10 and fully on board with her father in humoring her mother's delusion. So the Maggie, the invisible child, is their middle child, and she's five. And then they have a younger son who I think is four. Yeah. Yeah. So the dad and the daughter are 100% coddling and humoring and enabling the mother at every turn to the extent yeah. where the 10-year-old is eating the, her invisible sister's food she's drawing fake pictures that she claims her sister has drawn um there's a point later where they're at like a student teacher thing at the school and the daughter has to like sneakily get this picture out of her bag and put it up on the wall and pretend that her sister drew it so that her mom doesn't realize that her sister doesn't exist so <laughs> the food thing i thought was weird because mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that would create cognitive dissonance for you if you saw a child eating and then at the end of the meal, there was a plate that was full of food and maybe she would get upset. But then like maybe she would come to grips with the fact that something's not right with her kid. Yeah, so... Because at first, even though the movie's (laughs) called Invisible Child, I didn't know that Annie the mother Mm -hmm. knew that her child was invisible because she acts like her child is a normal child. She sure does. She sure does. In fact, she describes her daughter to other people as if they can help her find the daughter. We'll get to that later. Let's, let's, let's try and keep this on track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, when she comes in, she, she's like, Oh, well, my kids have already run up to me and explained that they already love you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I definitely want to give you the job right away. (laughs) I know nothing about you. I've not run a background check, but you're perfect. And she's like touching this woman's face and it's like, there's a lot of touching. (laughs) Um, And there's also a lot of talk of Jesus, which is, makes me uncomfortable, but that's my own personal issues. So, but before the mother even gets home, this nanny's here, they're showing her around the house. The dad straight up explains to her, I have a third daughter. She exists only in the mind of my wife. Mm -hmm. And the nanny's like, uh, cool. Well, he he has like been joking with her up into Mm -hmm. this point so I think part of her is thinking like this is a joke right but she also doesn't want to laugh in case it's not a joke so she's just sitting there like he'll explain whether or not this is a joke and what exactly he means in a second but no he is very serious serious he is as serious as only Victor Garber can be because also the husband is played he's played by Victor Garber and who is amazing and he is a far far higher caliber of actor than this movie deserved but maybe I'm just showing my Victor Garber fangirling. <laughs> but I, no, do I love, think you're probably I right. Victor Garber. 
And also for the, for the audience at home, uh, the older daughter, Doc, is played by Mae Whitman. So we had to Google her real quick. It was like, we know we've seen her in a million things. And yep, she's she has hundreds of credits. So good for her. Yeah. And I actually looked up the kid that plays the four-year-old, the son, mm -hmm. and he is apparently a lawyer and works in the in the legislature. So good for Ooh. him as well. Everybody in this movie turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> Even Maggie. <laughs> Even Maggie. So basically it boils down to, hey, we have an invisible child. You have to play along. Do you want this nanny gig? And the nanny's like, yeah, sure. I don't want to live in my car anymore. So I will join this nice family. And so that basically is where our plot begins. And some, it, you know, from there, it's just kind of a series of events. It's not so much a plot that builds towards anything. It's just like some things happen. For example, she takes the kids to the park and she talks to another nanny who is also British for some reason. A lot of British nannies in this town. <laughs> and she makes mention that there's some, some strangeness in the house, although I don't think she really elaborates. And the other nanny says, you know what all these Yanks are crazy for is psychiatry. Like maybe you should go talk to a shrink. This is, I guess, in the 90s when that wasn't such an accepted thing to do. So they'd spend a lot of time yeah. explaining what a shrink is and what they do. And then they go to a shrink's office and he doesn't behave like any therapist I've ever heard of or <laughs> <He's> <laughs> immediately, immediately accuses her of lying. <laughs> And then he says, I'll only charge you for the half hour because I want to take a break and makes her leave. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Lifetime has <laughs> a distrust of like anyone in the medical pro profession or mm -hmm. in the legal profession or police officers. Like there's yeah. always all these women and they always try to get help the normal way. Right. And they're dismissed and stop yeah. lying, stop being crazy, stop yep. overreacting. And then they have to go off and do things on their own. That's kind right. of how they all Well, work. this this shrink definitely fits that mold. Later on, she also goes to CPS. Um, because her, you know, she's told about CPS and what they do. And so she's like, Well, maybe they Yeah, can well, help that's me. what the shrink does because yeah. he's like, I can't help you. I can't help they you. They don't want to come in and which, help is good advice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you are in a situation where you are worried about some children and their home life, I guess, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, problems about CPS put to one side. It's still, that's what they're for theoretically. Yeah. So she goes to CPS and the woman immediately takes her very seriously and starts saying she's worried about the kids and their home life because of they having to enable this this mother with this delusion mm -hmm. again that that is correct that is the correct response to when you're told that a woman is hallucinating a third child that they maybe you should check on her other children and make sure they're okay like good on you cps but she is framed as the villain <laughs> <laughs> trying to break up our beautiful perfect family who just has this one little weird quirk that you know it's just really not that big a deal yeah, Even though it infects every aspect of their life. <laughs> it was um, Maggie's first day of school because she's five, mm -hmm. and um, obviously the mom wants to be there for their first day of school, even though she Oof. has a nanny. And yeah. the nanny is trying to convince her, like, no, I should be the one to pick them up alone. This is why you hired me. La la la. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the mom's like, well, no, it's a special day. 
And so I'm expecting her to, you know, gush over her son and then see quote unquote, her daughter and gush over her daughter in front of all Mm -hmm. these other parents. And there to be a big hullabaloo about like, why is she gushing over nothing over there? Yep. And she but, you manages know, to do it in a private area where no one sees her. <laughs> you know, I appreciated this because it's, you know, they're, they're there. It's chaos. Kids are going everywhere, running to their parents. It's after the first day of school. No parent is going to be worried about what some other parent is doing. Even if it seems like they're kneeling down, talking to a bush, they're, just, <laughs> they're either not going to notice or they're going to be like, not my problem. Like they're stressed. It's the first day of school for these yeah. kindergartners, you know? ignore yes that's what i would do there's a few characters who ignore the mother and her antics uh <laughs> later there's a someone in the waiting room of the hospital while the mother is reading to her invisible daughter and they just keep cutting to this woman who's reading this magazine and she's just kind of looking at her like not my problem not my problem not my problem <laughs> <laughs> earlier at a at a different I, again this it, it, if it seems like we're jumping around, it's because this movie is just a series of scenes with some bookends. So it nothing, it doesn't matter if any of this is chronological. There's a scene in a bathroom at the at the playground where the nanny and the mom are waiting in line because Maggie has to go to the bathroom. And another woman comes and is waiting behind them. And when a stall is free, Rita Wilson opens the stall, shoes Maggie in, and then closes it. And this woman, of course, sees no one in there. And she's got to go because it's a public bathroom and that's how they work. <laughs> and so she says, if you're not going to use that, can I go in? And the woman and Annie, Rita Wilson says, no, my daughter's in there. And the woman just is the only one who looks at her and says, lady, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> hero, hero of the movie, bathroom lady. Finally, another stall opens up. And at, before she goes in, she condescendingly asks Rita Wilson, do you have any other kids? they just kind of look at her and you kind of get the impression like does Rita Wilson know that this is not real because the look she gives is kind of like why isn't this woman humoring me everyone in my life humors me like what's going on well that's the thing because like if if Annie knew I have a child who is invisible right it's very real (laughs) then like the fact that people sometimes didn't see her would be weird to her but when she comes in and she's talking to the nanny Mm -hmm. she's like oh and this is my daughter Maggie she doesn't say don't worry if you happen to not be able to see her all the time sometimes she's invisible she just acts like this is another child of mine a very normal child named Maggie (laughs) who you can (laughs) see obviously so (laughs) it seems like she doesn't know that her daughter is invisible and yet in the bathroom it does seem like she's like well, sometimes people do act weird around Maggie specifically. <laughs> and that is yeah. strange that that yep. happens from time to time. So it's like she acts as if this happens sometimes with Maggie, but we don't know like what her internal justification is for this weirdness that she experiences. <laughs> right. It's very, it's, there's later on when the characters are are talking to Maggie, what they're really talking to themselves. And the daughter mentions something like, you know, Maggie, it's like, you're my sister. And it would have been different if you'd had maybe. a normal disability. And I'm like, <laughs> being yeah, imaginary maybe we'll talk about that once not we get a disability, to that. <laughs> but okay. Anyway, so another, another scene that I love before we get to the, basically the only plot, which happens about an hour into this movie, Yeah, um, is when 
this is again a, a very good example of a lifetime plot that does not have a lifetime plot ending. Um, the dad is in the hot tub drinking a glass of red wine. The nanny, who I don't think we've mentioned before, is young and beautiful and and has of blonde course. hair. She comes out in her bathing suit. Um, and she's like, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to disturb you." And he's all, "No, it's fine. Come on in and join me in the hot tub with the <laughs> wine." <laughs> so she does. And you're like, okay, stressed out father, hot, young, lonely nanny. All mm -hmm. right, I see where this is going. Nope, cut to, they go to the kitchen and he makes her a pizza from scratch as a snack. <laughs> End of scene. Yeah, that that whole thing is so strange because yeah. you're like, do they almost have an affair? And then she has to pull herself back or he has no. to pull himself back. Yeah. And then like, they end up having that conversation that she probably should have had way earlier in her employment Weeks before. Yeah. Cause this is like, I don't know. Why month do two you or have something? Yeah. Yeah. So it's several months into her employment and she finally gets around to being like, so why do you have an invisible daughter? I mean, it's not my place to ask. It's please just ignore me. Like she's very, very self-effacing and she's a very, uh, you know, caring and accommodating nanny. Yeah. And I, I really expected mm -hmm. when, when I, I knew, oh, okay, Annie believes in this girl, Maggie, I really expected the story to be, she was pregnant and she miscarried yes. or she had a stillbirth. Absolutely. That is not what happens. Nope. One day he wakes up, goes <laughs> to the kitchen and his wife is already in the kitchen boiling, um, sterilizing baby bottles right, yeah. baby bottles and is like oh maggie kept me up all night and he's like what <laughs> and then she's like yep. yeah she just kept crying and she's like acting as if she has a baby in her arms uh-huh and, yeah, and, and he's so shocked that he's like unable to like say or do anything so he's just like staring in open horror at her as she acts like she has a baby mm -hmm. and then he's describing her... he's describing this while making a pizza from scratch just to, to yeah. <laughs> for the nanny as a snack yeah. in the middle of the night yeah and uh then his daughter walks in and uh then uh Annie continues to act like Maggie is real, even with her daughter. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, and then we just kind of went with it for the next five years. And you're like, uh. well, he does. He does say this is very telling. He says that he took her to a psychiatrist, um, you know, because that's what you do when someone says that there are people that don't exist. And she apparently they get to the psychiatrist's office and Annie told him, please don't make me go in there. They're going to take away my baby. So at some level, she apparently is self-aware enough to know that she doesn't actually have a baby, but she wants it. And so please just feed my delusion. Um, and he does. Yeah. For five also, years, apparently. Yeah. He also says that he was concerned that if he had continued to get her help, that she might have been institutionalized. Right. Yeah. So like that is a real concern that does kind of make sense sure um the whole but i want to believe doesn't seem like a good enough reason <laughs> to just it's like true. let it and keep happening they work really hard in this movie to not make annie the villain despite all of the things that are telling you that annie is the villain so this family seems perfectly well adjusted um except for the fact that their children are definitely going to be screwed up they're, they're real children. <laughs> yeah. 
but they they go out of their way to be like oh annie's so kind annie's such a good mother this family is so happy blah 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 meanwhile the 10 year old has the stress of hiding her mother's illness from the world and mm-hmm. faking a sister which kind of seems to fall entirely on her to do yeah you know? Uh, which is a little messed up. And the brother is young enough to think that he actually has an invisible sister who is real and invisible. I mean, which you would if if mm-hmm. all your life you had been told, oh yeah, one of your sisters is invisible. You're you, like, sure. You know, your parents yep. create the world for you at that age. So you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> and even the psychiatrist says when he when the nanny goes to the psychiatrist he's like well the daughter is probably fine she her sense of reality is very firm but i'm worried about the son and it's like yes exactly it is bad to think you grow up that and you think you have an invisible sister like that's not a healthy yeah mindset for a child <laughs> anyway so basically it boils down to the annie invented this child he implies because he was working too much <laughs> That's the part that's the most (laughs) absurd part of this entire movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know there's a woman who has a delusion wherein Mm -hmm. she ends up with a child no one can see. And that is a big premise to ask us to buy into. Mm -hmm. But I'm there. I'm totally fine with it. Sure. Why not? It's a movie. Sure. But (laughs) I'm supposed to believe that this delusion was caused by the trauma of experiencing uh, a husband who a wants husband a job. who was too busy. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the yeah. thing that sets this off. Like I kind of love it because mm-hmm. if it had been about like an actual trauma, then I like would be I don't know asked to take this very seriously. And this movie yeah. like does not earn that. No, <laughs> so I would be kind of mad at it if it did do that. So I kind of love it in a way for going this completely <laughs> bananas route of just like. Yeah, she was She's really rich sad, and bored. But, like, <laughs> she was just so sad that I wasn't around. And he makes it seem mm-hmm. like he kind of regrets ever having children. He's like, we had such a great life before we ever had kids. He does. <laughs> like, we would go to Switzerland. We would go to Paris at a moment's notice. And then they have their oldest, uh, Doc Becca. And she loves being a mother and so and he is kind of feeling like they're they don't get to spend a lot of couple time together so he spends a lot of time at work and also he's he's an architect of course which is one of those made-up movie jobs that doesn't exist (laughs) and he's really popular he's in high demand and so he's working a lot um and apparently that's having attention directed away from her is not something that Annie can handle. So she invents an invisible child in order to get her husband's attention. And it works. He even admits <laughs> like I started staying home more and, you know, I work from home almost every day because he has to maintain the delusion and also keep his wife away from psychiatrists. So that's a full-time <laughs> job. <laughs> well, there's like three tasks he has to complete. He has mm-hmm. to feed her delusion <laughs> and he has to keep her away from psychiatrists, mm-hmm. but he also has to like try to shield. Um, I mean, this might be a sub task of keeping her away from psychiatrists, but he <laughs> has to keep her away from like the public, like presumably they yes. have friends at some point in their life. Yeah. But, you know the nanny at one day says like oh we could have a dinner party sometime and invite all your friends over which is very stupid of the nanny to say (laughs) she's been living with this family for weeks now and knows about this kid and she's like let's have a party (laughs) 
And then the dad and Doc Becca just kind of look at each other, give each other side eye, like, we can't have a party. Like, shut up, Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, I might seem selfish here, but I like to have a, a nice, restful home. I work a lot. I, I don't With really no want to people. Party. <laughs> <laughs> but like the implication being like yep. they have had no adult friends adult friends for the mm-hmm. last five years and so what are they saying to these friends like oh also- annie's not doing too well she's <laughs> kind of sick uh don't come over ever again <laughs> like what are you maggie what are takes you a lot of naps that's yeah. something doc says maggie takes a lot of naps <laughs> <laughs> which like if i was trying to enable this insanity mm-hmm. in my house i would get tired and i'd be like oh Maggie's taking a nap. She's not around. I can't talk about her or talk to 100%. her. She's, she's asleep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> she's asleep. Yep. Absolutely. And I guess they don't have any family either because neither of them mention grandparents or aunts or no. uncles or cousins or anything. So and there's a major I guess life they're event all that we'll get to children. later <laughs> that you would expect quite a few people to attend. I won't. Yes. We'll get there when we get there. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, moving on to, so basically there's just a series of scenes. Jillian cooks dinner. They get in the hot tub and don't have sex. They <laughs> go to a school function. They, oh, uh, the one other function. scene. Yeah. The school function is pretty great. Um, Annie tries to talk to Maggie's kindergarten teacher. You can't see me doing air quotes, but he's a real person. And yeah. she thinks Maggie's in his class. And so she's trying to talk to him about Maggie. And so Doc has to fake throwing up in order to get her mom away from this teacher so that he won't find out that she's, you know, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, there's also earlier, another teacher comes up and she gets introduced to the family and Mm -hmm. she's introduced to three kids. Of course, there's only two kids. She looks (laughs) a little confused. And uh, Rebecca is like, oh, Maggie is my nickname. I go by both Doc and Maggie. (laughs) And then she's like, all right. From from Rebecca, you know. You know how you get Doc and Maggie from Rebecca? (laughs) Very common. The thing that's like most strange about it is that uh, that teacher used to teach uh, Rebecca before. So she's mm-hmm. like, I remember you being called Doc. I don't remember you being called Maggie. And you're acting really <laughs> weird, but also not my problem. <laughs> not my problem. Kids are weird. Moving on. I've got 30 kids in my underfunded classroom. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to not worry about this one, which is fair. <laughs> it's fair. So my other favorite scene before we get to the CPS drama was at the amusement park. So oh, yeah. they're at the amusement park, the mom and the kids and the nanny. And they're going on a Ferris wheel um, and there's only enough room for four people per basket, I guess. So Annie and the two kids get on one basket and with someone else. And then the, and she's like, Oh, Maggie can go with you, Jillian. And Jillian's like, yeah, okay. And she gets in another basket, but of course the ride operator seeing empty seats fills all of them. And uh, which is another, again, another plot that goes nowhere. The, the nanny ends up in a in a Ferris wheel basket with these guys who are kind of like, look like they're about to like menace her or something. And one of them even puts his arm around her. Oh Nothing gosh, happens. I totally he missed that. Yeah, he, <laughs> they don't even talk to her. He's just like, no. hey, how's it going? And then he puts his arm around here and then he spends the rest of the ride talking to the person next to him with his arm around the nanny who he does not know. So that's weird. I yeah I totally <laughs> missed that I I saw her like looking nervous and I thought it was a hundred percent 
oh gosh, how am I going to explain that Maggie is in this with me when all the other seats are taken? Right. But I totally miss the fact that that guy had his arm around her. It was twofold. The nanny was not having a good time at this amusement park, basically. So they get off the ride and Annie is all, where's Maggie? And Jillian's like, oh, uh, she was in my lap. And Annie, in, in one of her lucid moments, is like, what? They would never let a child ride in your lap on this ride. Oh, my God. Where's Maggie? Where's Maggie? And she starts freaking out. The ride operator is like, what's going on? She's like, my daughter, she's lost. And she describes her and what she's wearing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess if she wears clothes, she's visible. I don't know. And uh, so she's freaking out. And Doc, of course, always the voice of reason, basically single-handedly holding this family together with her 10 year old hands it's like oh don't worry mom um jillian and i will go look for her she pulls jillian off around the corner and then she says that was weird (laughs) well she's like oh that's this is new so which indicates like she's never been lost before so like this is like a new experience for them to have to figure out but she like is always game to like make it work (laughs) she's like so capable (laughs) that she's like unflapped when i say that she's holding the family together with her bare hands it's it is i'm not exaggerating it's like the dad is pretty useless just doing whatever the wife wants and then this little (laughs) girl drives the kids to work and eats (laughs) the kid's sandwich yeah that was so funny when he said that to the nanny like oh you're gonna have to eat Maggie's you're gonna sandwich. have to eat Maggie's lunch and it's like, it's like uh, you, know, you could just throw it away right it. like <laughs> I don't know that you have to eat it yeah. like you have to put little crumbs everywhere as if she's a very <laughs> messy child like what are you talking about just throw it away well Doc goes into Maggie's room every morning and messes up her bed to make it look like someone was sleeping there mm-hmm. and then she picks out clothes for Maggie and puts them in her own backpack I don't know why it whatever anyway so she, they, they go around the corner at this amusement park and, and the nanny is kind of freaking out. She's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And the daughter's like, you know, Maggie's not really lost, right? Because she's not real. <laughs> it's like the nanny forgets for a minute. It's like, oh, right. And they're like, all right, let's just sit. Let's just wait here for a minute and then go back and say we found her and see what happens. <laughs> see if mom accepts that. And apparently she does because that scene's over. Never to be referred to again. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like everyone's kind of looking at Annie to be like, uh, what do you think Maggie's doing? And then they'll go from <laughs> there, like an improv scene. But yep. like, I'd imagine that you would have like different clashing realities every now and again, especially as the boy is saying like, oh, Maggie's hitting me <laughs> yeah. or something. And then like, what if the mom doesn't see that and she's not open to that suggestion? And she's like, no, she's not. She's on the other side of the room. Like they never have that argument of like, oh no, Maggie's over here or Maggie's over there. Like yep. there's one part where um, Doc is giving Jillian a hard time on her first mm-hmm, day at work mm-hmm. where she's like, why are you pushing an empty swing? And she's like, uh, you told me your, to. <laughs> your sister quote unquote is in the swing. <laughs> and she's kind of like wink wink right and then she's like no maggie's taking a nap maggie takes lots of naps and she's like all right but like the implication being like if no one's around to see you pushing the swing there's literally no reason for you to be doing it. you never <laughs> know is- annie annie might be staring out the window at you making sure you're pushing the swing that is true though because annie starts following her to see if she's a good nanny yeah and then victor garber's like really concerned because he's 
afraid that it's going to become apparent that uh, Jillian is not taking care of Maggie because Maggie right. isn't real. <laughs> but that doesn't actually happen or matter Again, at all. a plot that goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah, they have this conversation. I've been following the nanny. And it's like, and conversation over. Never to be picked up again. again okay, theme, cool. Theme of this movie. <laughs> so yeah, those are all things that just kind of happen um, and go nowhere. Finally, we get to CPS comes to the house and the dad and Doc obviously start freaking out. Luckily for them, Annie is not there. She's stuck in traffic. Phew, that would have been bad. Um, <laughs> so they have to have this whole CPS hearing. They get mad at Jillian for a minute. Well, because- she needs to talk to the, the kids in the yeah. house. And uh, Victor Garber's character is trying to like put her off of doing that and saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to call a lawyer. And she's like, that's cool. Call the lawyer, but keep the door open. And we're going to come in within three minutes. And she explains the whole procedure to him. Mm-hmm. And then she like talks to the kids and they seem really happy and well-adjusted and everything's cool. I don't know if she's asked them any questions about Maggie specifically, because we don't well, really get she that asks them about their room. Like she sees Maggie's room and she's like, who sleeps here? And the little boy, of course, in his innocence is like, oh, that's my sister Maggie's room. Mm -hmm. And then Doc is like, ruh And uh, (laughs) then CPS leaves. Yeah. And they find out Jillian is the one, or I think Jillian admits that she's the one that ratted them out to CPS. And she's really apologetic because they're such a good, sweet family. Yeah. Well, because like Victor Garber just assumes that Mm -hmm. it would be Jillian because who else knows? And it's like, I don't know you've been playing a little fast and loose like you're going to like a carnival where she was holding hands with a child that wasn't there or a parent teacher night a bunch of people and like parent teacher night and the park like so it could literally be anyone but I mean sure blame the nanny she lives with you she knows everything that's going on Mm -hmm. it could be her and then she immediately admits that yes it was her and she does feel bad because she had heard that story that he told her when he was making the pizza and she's like well in that case i'm on board oh so there's no reason okay great (laughs) yeah it was before you told me the whole story what story there was no story there's no reason anyway so she he tells her that that she'll be off the hook if they help if she helps them get out of this deceive deceive cps CPS. yeah yeah and she's like can do um (laughs) So somehow they yeah, managed, she, um, and this is another, I, this is not how the system works at all. No, but like Doc, before they even have the hearing, Doc goes to her father and she's like, I don't know what's going to happen, which, you know, she's a child who's like terrified of being ripped away from her dad, who she loves and everything yep. she knows. And he's like, it's not going to happen. Don't worry. I promise you we'll be able to stay together. And she's like, but like, you have to explain like what's going to happen if they are successful in tearing us apart because Mm -hmm. mom literally does believe in a kid that's not there. And I don't know if they're going to be cool about that. Yeah. And uh, he's like, Oh, we'll run away. And he almost kind of like makes a joke like, Oh, we'll just Mm -hmm. like run away to another Island. And then she's like, but like, no, literally, what are we going to do? Are you gonna let them take me? (laughs) And he's like, no, we'll, we'll get on a boat and we'll sail away. We'll, We'll run away. I won't let them take you from me. If it wasn't already obvious, this family is rich and white. Oh, um, they are so rich. They have a koi pond. They have a hot oh, that's tub. Right. They have a pool. a pool. They have a ton of land. They have this beautiful house. Mm-hmm. They have a microwave that can bake pizzas, apparently, because it does put that raw pizza in a microwave, which upsets me. But 
I missed another. that as well. I, this, I thought it was okay, like maybe a this, convection oven or something. This pizza making scene is just the gift that keeps on giving. It's really, <laughs> if you watch no other scene from this movie, go go straight to the hot tub scene and then watch them make a pizza from scratch in the middle of the night. I can't get over, I can't get over that scene. Anyway. But and, then, and then Doc. Nanny, a live-in yeah. nanny and she's a stay-at-home mom. So like that's an indication that mm. maybe they have a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But then Doc goes to the nanny's room and she's like, dad says we're going to run away. I don't want to run away. And then she starts like bawling. Yeah. So this is like Doc's breakdown moment. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because maybe it's not a good idea to feed into someone's delusion at the expense of your children. Um, <laughs> that's maybe not a great way to parent. Lessons learned from Invisible Child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it, they go to CPS. The dad, the nanny and Doc are the only ones that go um, to their interview with CPS. And CPS is very much like, uh, we really need to talk to your wife. And he's like, she's sick. <laughs> it's like, yes, that's why they need to talk to her. <laughs> and the son is like, the son is in, like, we don't even want to school. take him out of school. So it's like, you talk to me, you talk to my daughter, which I hate. <laughs> also, the daughter is presumably also been taken out of school <laughs> yeah yeah anyway um but apparently they just let that slide so they talk to the nanny and she's like i don't know what you're talking about i never said any of that so just lies just straight up lies well she's like i just wanted to know what my friend should do in her situation yeah yeah and then in they should have really followed up on that and be like ma'am if this is true <laughs> if you really have a friend who is really taking who is care your of friend kids, <laughs> and those kids are in danger you need to tell us yep. what family this is so we yep. can go and help those children. And then yeah. she would have been really stuck because then she would have had to like lie about, oh, it's my friend from the park and yep. that whole family. I don't know her last name. Into yeah. It. yeah. But like they don't. They're just like the, the woman from CPS gets so <laughs> flustered. She's like, but no, you said. You said. <laughs> she oh, yeah, has that's... like no chill at all it's so no. absurd to me if she's had this job for a while this mm -hmm. has to happen all the time where people initially where people make have a invisible report. children well no but like <laughs> when people initially make a report like oh my sister hit her kids and then later you feel bad and you're like well she was having a bad day she never usually does that i overreacted mm -hmm. i i i said the wrong thing i lied about it i was mad at her and then you try to walk it back so like the fact that people lie in that situation should be like run at the mill you know what i mean so she yeah. should be like okay i know that you're upset but like you did say it was you and i did have notes about it <laughs> so it's all recorded what you said that day so let's put that aside and let's go through this again. When did you start employment there? Mm -hmm. Who was Maggie? Who talks about Maggie? Does she have her own plate of food? Because you mentioned that. Like, you know, <laughs> like you would just do your job, but she like freaks out immediately. It's like, no, uh, no, you said, <laughs> you said. <laughs> you're in my office and you told me. So yeah, the CPS lady is in the middle and she's flanked by two, two of her cronies who have not heard the nanny story yet. So it's only the CPS lady that, heard the original story right. straight from the nanny's mouth. <laughs> and so when she starts saying, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The other two people from CPS look at the original CPS lady. Like she's crazy. Like, are you mm. making up lies? <laughs> Why would they do that? That that's their colleague. And they're I not, know. and they're going to believe this person 
who's under investigation over their colleague who took the original interview, but okay, whatever. <laughs> so the dad comes in, he's but like, Doc I'm going to sue, blah, blah, blah. It. Doc rocks it. So she's the yeah. third one. She comes in and they're like, you have an invisible sister. And she's like, no, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my brother has an invisible friend, but he's just imaginary, just like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. And the lady is like immediately sidetracked. She's like, well, it's not the same. It's <laughs> Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, like those are cultural myths. It's like, very different to have an entire sibling that no one else can see. And Doc is like, she says something like, you know, if someone has a, a fantasy that no one else can see, that's bad. And then Doc says, do you mean like Martin Luther King? And that's when it was just like time to throw the remote through the screen. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but Martin Luther King's dream was not that everyone would have invisible children. <laughs> Pretty sure that wasn't part of it. But Doc uses that as her as her example of someone having a dream that no one else has. And it's like, oh boy, was this movie ever not written with a single person of color in the writing room. <laughs> I mean, it definitely feels like like a a middle school, like edgelord kind of thing <laughs> to say, you know? Like, yeah. well, if you're okay with that, then you're probably fine with Hitler. Was it fine when Hitler started... <laughs> like coming up with his ideas like you really have yep. to think or like yep. oh so everyone who has like different ideas about society is bad <laughs> like Martin Luther King is bad because he had different ideas and it's like obviously things are not comparable yep. like you're just being <laughs> a twat <laughs> yeah so basically this 10 year old just like runs circles around these three adults and it's just not it's not a, it's not ever a fair fight because this no. girl is a tiny Machiavellian genius <laughs> and she single-handedly once again saves the family yeah and they exit the CPS building and they start immediately hugging and screaming and jumping in the air for joy because <laughs> of how happy they are that they've gotten yeah. away with their deception I mean, really, the movie could have a freeze frame of them all jumping like, woohoo, da da the end. <laughs> but no, no, there's, there's no about... reason for this movie to continue. <laughs> it's about the conflict is the resolved. Are they going to be split apart? No, they are not. No, they are not. They have prevailed. The end, right? Yep. <laughs> what else could they possibly do? But wait, Maggie <laughs> has been having a series of fevers, apparently. Um, <laughs> we, we, we didn't go into the... the the hospital scene earlier so we can touch on that real briefly but annie says oh my gosh maggie's so sick we have to take her to the hospital and victor garber's like yeah yeah okay i'll, I'll take her to the hospital as usual by myself and she's like no no i have to go with you and he's like oh boy so they go to the hospital she gets looks from the ladies in the waiting room and then victor garber he's like i'll take in maggie uh alone and she's like i want to go and he's like no no maggie and i will go just us two okay bye and so then he goes in and he's talking to the doctor and he has to pretend that he's come in for himself. So he's like, uh, I have a pain here. And he points to his chest and the doctor's like, I don't know, maybe some antacids. And he's like, okay, thanks doc. Bye. <laughs> and the then he has to go very out. Very <laughs> suspicious of him too, which is interesting yeah. because you think he would be like, I don't know. Oh, the doctor has no reason to be suspicious of this guy. He hasn't seen no. his wife talking to empty air. Right. And I don't know. If if Victor Gerber was like a little more shifty about it, then maybe it would make sense like why yeah. 
the doctor is so immediately suspicious and also like suspicious of what exactly you know like like a guy came into your office like that's what doctors do (laughs) (laughs) like sir are you afraid of your wife has she been hurting you like that's where I really thought that they were gonna yeah. go because maybe he's acting weird around the wife and is coming in and is like uh there's something wrong with me and that's mm-hmm. like but okay what but like no he never really follows up on it and he's just like I mean I believe you do feel pain I don't <laughs> think it's indicative of anything actually wrong with you no I'm not gonna run any extra tests see you later alligator. like great <laughs> thanks bye that's all i needed just let me and stay in your like, office for a few minutes yeah and then he's like can i have a sucker and then the doctor's like i mean i guess you can <laughs> yeah he gives him a lollipop and he's like i have a daughter outside and he's like oh thank god i thought you <laughs> wanted a lollipop for yourself you monster <laughs> lollipops are delicious this doctor is weirdly judgmental <laughs> anyway so that was that was the only doctor scene with their terminally ill child turns out Mm-hmm. so there maggie is very sick according to the mother and she puts up the baby monitor in maggie's room and then she's like in sleep in their room and each character comes in one by one and has their final goodbye with maggie <laughs> they don't know this of course but and the and the wife listens to all of them on the baby monitor which is extra creepy that's when the daughter busts yeah. out the line of, if only you'd had some sort of normal disability instead of being an imaginary. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. One, yep. is Doc just trying to process her feelings? Because <clears throat> I think so. Excuse me. I, if that's the case, she could have easily been writing in a journal and this could be a voiceover. <laughs> but instead, she's like snuggling up to this imaginary kid mm-hmm. and explaining like, I don't hate you for putting me in this position and (laughs) some people feel that I should feel that way and it's like are you trying to communicate that to your mother or your father Mm -hmm. or are you literally communicating that to your imaginary sister I think after five years she's just used to talking to an invisible sister even though she doesn't believe it she still has to sometimes talk to her sister probably every day or her mom's going to be like why are you mad at your sister right go play it's like okay i'll go play with barbies or whatever with my sister so i think she's just used to talking to her sister and this is just kind of a way of her working through her feelings about the fact that her mom is now killing off her fake sister apparently (laughs) yeah and then she says that line about like if you had a regular disability Mm -hmm. i would have still had to help you and then it's which I is guess, very sweet. I mean, Doc is a very open-minded child. <laughs> yeah. I guess in child logic, that makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in literal logic, that's abhorrent to say that like, disabled <laughs> yes. people and imaginary people are the same. <laughs> yeah. But- I mean, actually, that's that's so that's so odd a comparison that I, I'm not sure it's even offensive because it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway it's such a, a strange moment because i'm like how am, how am i meant to feel about how doc feels about her fake sister yeah. how am i meant to feel about her sense of reality is it beginning mm-hmm. to slip it it's such it's such a strange scene and it's then victor unfair. gerber does the same thing essentially where he sits down mm-hmm. and he's like i wish i could have seen you maybe i can experience you through annie yeah but 
he knows there's a baby monitor in there so i don't know if he's performing this monologue for annie who can hear yeah this is the point where or for maggie does he kind of feel something for maggie even though maggie isn't real yeah i think he does because he talks about he told the nanny how maggie really did fix their marriage (laughs) yeah with him you know being home more and being more focused on the family um so he likes maggie i guess even though he also obviously resents her a bit but there's also an angel in the corner of the room that maggie is able to see that annie is unable to see so that's there's a lot of praying and angels and god in this in this movie about an invisible child yeah Um, and then the son comes in and he's like uh yeah i can see it too so he's like really open to suggestion (laughs) and which makes sense because he's four yeah um but you just i don't know i'm so worried for that boy like i know know. that maggie dies and that presumably that's the end of that nonsense but like for the rest of his life what's gonna happen like at some point he'll figure it out like how kids realize there's not really a santa claus only take that trauma and multiply it by about a million and that's what this kid's going to be dealing with good thing they're rich because he's going to need a lot of those uh indifferent shrinks to help him out um (laughs) hopefully he'll get the full hour oh gosh (laughs) anyway so as one does yeah yeah everyone has their goodbye tells everyone maggie died and she of course she has to tell them since she's the only one who can see maggie (laughs) Um, and then they bury her in the backyard (laughs) yeah so there's a whole conversation of maggie's gone now and then the Mm -hmm. son's like oh so she's in heaven with god and with the Mm -hmm. angels right and then annie's like yes and then he's like and then when we're all back together in heaven again we're all gonna come back again on earth as a family and i'm like is that part of your religion (laughs) or is that just something this boy's made up i don't know because i'm not familiar with that idea of reincarnation being linked to everyone in your family, family is units. dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, sure. I mean, it's as sure, fine as not? any other uh, idea about the afterlife. But he yep. says this and she's like, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you want to raise them <laughs> or not. But if you do, that's fine. And then he's like, but this time, Maggie shouldn't be invisible. <laughs> and then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This whole time, I thought Annie could see her and assumed everyone else could see her. Yeah. And now he's straight up breaking all illusions and being like, Maggie is invisible. And then (laughs) she's like, yeah, it would be better if she were invisible. I'm like, wait a minute. You knew she was invisible? (laughs) When did you? You never indicated this. You always acted like everyone could see her. Why did you describe her to the carny if you knew she was invisible? (laughs) Why did you get so sore at the lady who thought that no one was in that stall when you knew that your child was invisible? They just don't understand her special disability of being of not being quite invisible. visible. It's so strange because yeah. she's like, yeah, it would be nice if she were visible. I'm like, okay, you have never once indicated that you understood this concept about your child. You needed at least one time to explain that you understood at least this fa- aspect of your child. There's there's no consistency in this movie about an invisible child. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, I guess makes sense. I mean, if she's not... If but she's how far muted, do they have to take it? It's not be logical. 
Yeah. But How still, far do they have crazy. to take it for the funeral is what I wonder. Like, does Doc have yeah. to pretend to go to the city to get a special license to bury human <laughs> remains in their backyard? Do they go buy a child-sized coffin? Do they even bother to dig a hole or do they just tell their mom, yeah, we dug the hole and tossed Buried her body her. in there She's and there. then filled it back in? Yeah, that the next scene is the funeral and I'm like, gosh, what are they going to do? You know, <laughs> like if if this woman has parents, she's going to call her parents and say, your granddaughter is dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for all we know, they don't exist. She would call Victor Garber's parents and say, your granddaughter is dead. But I guess those people don't exist. And because they haven't had any friends for the past five years, there's no one to invite to this funeral yeah. or to inform of her death. So oh like, God. it Can doesn't matter. Can you imagine matter. her calling the school? Right. Like Maggie's dead. And they'll be like, who's Maggie? My daughter who's enrolled. Like talk about getting CPS involved again. Oh my God. Only the beginning. Hopefully the dad called the school or pretended to. Right. But it calls into question how much of it is delusion. Yeah. Because she like, they each speak and they each put a rose on the grave. Mm -hmm. And then when, after Victor Garber speaks, she holds on to him and says thank you and it's like thank you for what did you know this wasn't real <laughs> like yeah it how much is mean? this her consciously holding her family hostage which means that all of those times like at the school or at the carnival that's her like making them dance to her little tune knowing full well that maggie isn't real and how messed up is that? Yeah, that's a really dark ending if that's the way you interpret that. <laughs> yep, yep. But it could be, I don't know. Like, have you seen Lars and the Real Girl? Yes, exactly. I, <laughs> the ending of this movie is just like Lars and the Real Girl. And I would argue that this movie is better than Lars and the Real Girl, but I have very huge problems with that movie. I do Whoa. not care for that movie at all. <laughs> Why not? Mostly because it's they they portray this guy who in real life would seem like a super creep and they're like this guy he's just different and this is his way of coping and i'm like okay sure yeah i'll go on that journey but then as soon as people start treating his doll as a person and like having her have her own life he kills her because that's not part of his fantasy and i don't like that I mean, I know they're like, oh, well, he's letting go and he's like connecting with real people or whatever. But there's that scene where they take her to like a PTA meeting or something like she's going to join the church council or something. And he gets all upset and they're like, you have to let her have her own life. And then he like has a breakdown because she's this doll is going out and having fun with her friends. Right. (laughs) And I don't like that because I think it underscores how he really just wants something he can control entirely which is not a healthy attitude no. and yet it's totally brushed under the tape. So anyway, I have my issues with Lars and the real girl, <laughs> but it is a very similar situation where, okay, my delusion is now boring for me or I can let it go for whatever reason. So they're just dead now. It's, it's just that easy. Yeah. I mean, there's no really other way out of it unless she just like turns mm-hmm. to Victor Garber one day and says, Maggie's not really there, is she? <laughs> and then he's like, 
no sweetie she's not and then she's like I really thought she was though and then he's like yeah I know you did and then she's like oh okay oh well thanks for humoring me oh, I really guess I'm cured that uh that she's not real but yeah <laughs> but but killing off Maggie doesn't actually solve whatever problem was going on with this mom in the first place so it'll just be something else it won't be maggie but it'll be some other nonsense that they have to deal with in the future with this mother yeah so anyway invisible child (laughs) yeah it was it was a movie and really this is the sort of thing that we go to lifetime for absolutely (laughs) We, we don't we don't go just for like a family drama about having a new nanny mm-hmm. we want that nanny to try to kill the mom and take over the family we don't want yep. you know just someone to have marital problems we want someone to have marital problems and then have a delusion of a child that's supposed to absolutely marriage <laughs> like, yep. we need the little extra sauce that only lifetime can provide <laughs> yep and it, as far as that goes i don't think this movie really delivers because you know as we've said before there's so many unused plot opportunities there's no affair between the dad and the nanny uh, there's an, oh, another one we didn't even get to is how doc apparently has body image issues totally just yeah. like two scenes of her saying thinking like looking in a mirror and thinking she's ugly never brought up again and it's like why even include that if you're not gonna go anywhere with it i think it's because she has to eat like two meals every yeah exactly dinner yeah i mean that would give anyone issues She's definitely got some food issues where she has to eat her sister's meals or else her mom will have a breakdown. Like that's not healthy. (laughs) None of this is healthy. So even though they say like, oh, doc, she's like very grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's great. It's like, not really though. Right. Like she's, they show her. Yeah. They show her getting ready for school and she's got her dress on. She puts a headband on and she looks in the mirror and she just has this big sigh. Like, (sighs) oh well and just walks off to school because apparently she hates how she looks and then there's another scene where she dresses up in her mom's old clothes and she's putting on makeup and you're like in another in another lifetime movie another lifetime (laughs) doc would start getting some sort of obsession with her father and she'd be like i'm the wife and i she's gonna wear her mom's clothes and you know then go insane like that's what another lifetime movie would do and in this movie, uh, nothing happens. I mean, that was just more of like a little girl playing dress up. Yeah. And having a heart to heart with her mom where she's like, you know, you and dad should go out sometime. You have a friggin' nanny. I don't know why you're hanging around all the damn time anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. Good question. <laughs> this poor girl never has a break. Like, I guess never. school is her only break. Yes. When she doesn't have to pretend that she has a sister. So I guess it's good that nanny died before her brother got to the same uh, elementary school that her that his sister goes to <laughs> because then she'd have to have him around all day and like keeping the bullies away and oh gosh dealing with that so yeah yeah that's it's probably for the best that maggie fake maggie fake died <laughs> <laughs> well uh we have two scales one to five stars to indicate how good you think this movie is and one to five whatevers to indicate how mockable it is <laughs> i don't know if you want uh microwave pizzas <laughs> as yeah. the mockability scale <laughs> absolutely raw raw microwave pizzas <laughs> uh 
I, I think the acting is good, but the story is so bananas that it's really <laughs> hard to give this a high score in terms of quality. So I'm probably going to give it two and a half stars, maybe two. <laughs> Uh, I so think that's strange. I think that's generous. <laughs> it's such a I give it a one. I give it a one or a zero, but in that way that like the movie Cats is a one or a zero, right? Like it's so insane and yet so boring. It's just it, it's impossible to like really fully understand what was going through people's minds when they made this, which makes it fascinating. Yeah. So I'll, so although I give it a one, entertainment value is a ten like yeah yeah i think my is 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 high i'd give yeah. this a a four four yeah. raw microwave pizzas because it I is so fair. strange it's fair <laughs> and there's a lot of strange ideas about what what's <laughs> going on i mean there are moments where i am genuinely sad for this poor woman who believes in this child that isn't mm-hmm. there but like mm-hmm. for the most part we just like get a lot of like let's look at jillian she's really stressed out let's look <laughs> at this empty chair and you're like i don't need to see the empty chair i i i know she's not there <laughs> you don't have to remind me movie the I camera keeps reminding you that there's an invisible child it's like if there's one thing i'm clear on movie it's that there's an invisible child got it like i i knew that based on the the title <laughs> i i knew that there was going to be some ghost kid or something like that but it's not yeah. supernatural it's just you know a delusion and and then victor garber told me what was happening and i was like okay victor mm-hmm. garber i trust you and I, you know I, i'm good yeah. i don't need the constant reminders <laughs> The, the the one thing that keeps this from being a perfect five out of five microwave pizzas for for mockability is that the acting is so good but that yeah. just adds to the strangeness of the it movie it's really uncanny this movie it's like rita wilson clearly she's a, she's a really good actress and she knows what she's doing but i do not think that she was given very strong direction in this movie because she comes off as very like kind of dopey but also as a super competent mother <laughs> but also as a crazy person who believes in her delusion so strongly that her entire family has to bend to her will. And there's another scene where she and Victor Garber are lying in bed and she has her head on his chest, which is just, you know, lucky, lucky lady. Um, (laughs) And she starts like humming to herself and he asks her what she's doing. And she says, I'm singing to your heart. And I think it's supposed to be sweet but the music and the fact that this woman is holding her family hostage makes it extremely like scary. Yeah. Well, cause he keeps like wanting to talk to her and he keeps, sh- mm-hmm. and she keeps shushing him like, shush, I'm singing to your heart. Like this is very important work on my part. Your heart needs to be sung to it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> like, I mean, it's supposed it, to be meaningful to me. I don't know. In another type that. of movie, you take the exact same editing, the exact same background music, and the next scene is her literally carving her his heart out because it couldn't hear me. I had to get closer. <laughs> like that's where it could have gone based it on really the editing. And yet, that's not. You know, it was supposed to be sweet, I guess, and just part of how he's he's so willing to do anything for his wife because she's so wonderful and amazing, and she makes him see the world in a new way. It's like, yes, a way including many delusions. Like this yeah. is not a good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is not the most sensitive portrayal of mental illness ever. So that definitely docks it a yeah. few points. Yeah, I don't think Lifetime 
even now is particularly good at that either. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Not even with things like Psycho Granny. Yeah. <laughs> psycho, was that Party Planner? Yeah, Psycho Party Planner. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've watched a lot of um, movies with Psycho in the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not surprised. But on the, at the end of the day, I do recommend this movie because it is free on YouTube and you get to look at Victor Garber and it's also just completely bananas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would All recommend good it as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a good cast in a surreal tapestry of images. I don't know. Absolutely. And, and as far as we can tell, everyone in the cast turned out just fine. Like the actors, like there's no reason to be sad about any of these actors. They're, they're all doing great. Even the little boy who became a lawyer. So good for him. (laughs) But you wonder, but what would happen to these kids if this was a real situation? Mm. Like, what would these kids grow up to be? And I am convinced that Doc would grow up to be a fixer for the mob because she is just so together. Her, her, like, being cool under pressure is, like, off the charts. So, yeah, that's what I see for her. The boy, um, well... (laughs) I I'm, see sad I, artist. Sad artist. Yeah. Making lots of art about his invisible sister. Love it. Yeah. Living yeah. in Portland in a commune, his uh-huh. parents funding his lifestyle. Yes. Love it. That's him. Yep. Yeah. That seems all right. <laughs> the nanny, I think that the dad will, out of pity, give her a good reference and she'll just go be a nanny for someone else when these kids grow up. She'll be fine too. Everyone's fine. <laughs> she'll like actively seek out um supernatural positions though like do you have a little fairy friend that needs help (laughs) i'll help you (laughs) oh that would be amazing the supernatural nanny (laughs) it'd be such a niche Uh, but you know she's in california there'll be people who would pay through the nose for that sort of thing yeah i'm sure (laughs) yeah well, thank you so much for bringing this movie to my attention, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. Spread the, spread the word. <laughs> um, if uh, people are interested in hearing what you do or following you, where can the good people find you? <laughs> sure. Uh, I, do, I do have a podcast. Um, it is on the drug development industry for, um, for my, the company that I work for. So not a ton of crossover with bad <laughs> lifetime movies. But if you're interested in anything about, um, you know, CAR T therapy or, you know, the, the advances that have been made in Alzheimer's or rare diseases, you can find us at Eureka's Sounds of Science. Cool. And you never know who is listening. <laughs> I don't. I see the little map and I see little countries all lit up all around the world, but I, I don't know anything about these people. <laughs> yep. But uh, if you want to tell me about yourself, listeners of the world, you can at not another bad movie podcast at gmail.com or you can interact with me on Twitter at NABM podcast. Uh, you can follow me there. And yeah. Tell your friends that don't listen to podcasts that they should start listening to podcasts and send them to <laughs> not another bad movie podcast.libsyn.com. And uh, tell your friends who do listen to podcasts to check out the show wherever it is that they listen to podcasts because I'm probably already there. Uh, and definitely listen to the Rasputin podcast because that's another one that's free on YouTube and I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, 
peek behind the curtain. Um, I didn't know what to watch that week. And I was like, well, Mary said that this Rasputin movie was good. So I'll go with that because I don't know what I'm doing. And so that's what I ended up watching with Ollie. So yep. if you haven't already listened to that episode, go ahead and watch Rasp- the Rasputin movie on YouTube. Uh, Dark and- Servant of Destiny. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you'll you'll be set to listen to the Ollie episode. <laughs> uh I'll be back with a mini later this month and then another full episode in March. Uh, Thanks again, Mary. No problem. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.